You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Three, two, foul back. The 12th pitch. Breaking ball is fouled. How about a 14th pitch? Driven to right center field. Oh, epic stuff. Chris Taylor unloads the bases on the 14th pitch. It's BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. How about Chris Taylor yesterday? Saw about a million pitches and then cleared the bases with a uh, it was a triple after that, right? My lord, that was a good moment for the Dodgers who continue to just be really good. And the Dodgers are are a a very uh good team. I think we all knew that going in. They won the World Series last year and um they are again a favorite in 2021, which happens to be a full season. Dave Sherapan and Chris Ranji in on BetQL Daily. Joe is out. He's on vacation for the week and we continue our baseball discussion as we go to Sean Zarillo. He is an MLB betting analyst for the Action Network. Follow him on Twitter at Sean S E A N Zarillo as we welcome him in, Sean. Good morning, and thanks for being with us. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me, as always. Great time to talk about baseball right after Memorial Day. This is about the time, whether you're a fantasy player or a better, that it's, it's a good time to take an assessment of the league and see where everything's at. And we have a pretty sufficient data sample a third of the way through the season to uh, make some analysis based off of. So now that we are uh, two months into the season, it's June 1st right now, uh, two full months into the season. You look around the standings, you see where some of these teams are like San Francisco, who has had a somewhat surprising start to the season. They lead their division. They're 14 games above 500 right now in front of the Padres. The Dodgers are in third place. Uh, The Mets lead the East. I don't think that's totally surprising. The A's lead the West, which is a bit of one, and now you got the Rays on top of the East. Is, is there a division right now that you believe is A, surprising, and B, sustainable? The one division that I would say interests me the most from a betting perspective is the NL Central. Uh, I talked a bunch with Joe on his radio show last week about value in a lot of these divisions and the Rays who have kind of Pushed a little bit ahead in the AL East. Now, they were sitting at plus 450 last week uh, to win the AL East still at some books, and that's been cut in half since the weekend. Uh, I think the White Sox are starting to assert themselves a little bit in the AL Central. I still like the Astros very much in the AL West. The the NL West with the Dodgers and Padres, there's going to be some pullback and forth there. Uh, 
I think the Giants will remain competitive too. But the NL Central and the, and the Mets have a million players on the DL, but if they keep playing like this with their bench mob, I think they're going to be the, the deserving favorites that they look like by the end of the season if they get everybody back, even though they still have guys who are a month away like Conforto and McNeil. But the, the NL Central, uh, the Chicago Cubs are the one team who's kind of sticking out to me right now as a price outlier. If you assume that the Cubs – are going to not sell pieces if they're above 500 and in the thick of the NL Central race. They are the team that offers value right now. If you look around the projection market, Fangraphs has them at about 26% to win their division. Dakota has them closer to 35%. You can still get over 5-1 to one plus 550 on the Cubs to win the NL Central. Um, I don't believe in this Cardinals team. They have the pitching staff that has overachieved more than any other pitching staff in baseball. If you look at the difference between expected and actual weighted on base average, they're a good defensive team, which, which feeds into that. That is why they generally overachieve with regards to their pitching. But they've also used four relievers who are in the top 25 in appearances. They have three in the top 10, Reyes, Reyes Gallegos, and uh, Genesis Cabrera, who seemingly just blows up every night. Uh, those guys are just getting absolutely taxed by Mike Schultz. Helsley's up there at appearances as well. I think he has 25. So I don't know if the Cardinals are capable of sustaining a run all the way through the summer unless they get some reinforcements into that bullpen. They're consistently one of the best run organizations in baseball, and I, I certainly think they're capable of fixing some of their holes. But the Brewers don't have a ton of hitting. They're doubling down on the pitching and defense with the Adamas trade. I have some preseason Brewers features. I don't like anywhere, you know, the, their price anywhere at the current moment. They're under 200, I believe, at pretty much every book. But the, the Cubs, based on their record and based on the projections that they should have the rest of the way with these players on their team, uh, if they don't trade Rizzo and Bryant and Baez, they, they do have value theoretically. It's just a matter of whether you believe in ownership not waving a white flag around the trade deadline. Hey, Sean, Dave here. Um, so, yeah, June 1st has always been a measuring stick uh, as far as, like, futures and stuff. But, like, can you just tell me what's wrong with the Yankees? They they lost three in a row to the Tigers, and now they are playing the Rays in their home dogs? What What do you make of the Yankees right now? Yeah, I think so. A lot of it has been misfortune. Uh, you know, I talked about the Cardinals having the, the luckiest pitching staff today. The Yankees have been the unluckiest offense, and that was true through the month of April, and that's been true for another month through May. Uh, a lot of that goes into the double plays. I believe they lead all of baseball with 55 double plays that they've been into, something like that. They got some back with that triple play that they turned against the White Sox, so that was yeah. a little bit of positive <laughs> karma in their direction. Uh, I was on the White Sox in that series, and it, I think the White Sox hit into like 10 double plays over the course of that weekend. But, yeah, you know, coming into the year, I thought it was a situation where, given the talent around them in the AL East, this was going to be the most competitive divisional race the Yankees have seen in some time. And I said that they were more vulnerable to miss the playoffs than they have been in some time and got a significant amount of pushback from Yankees fans with regards to that point. But it's played out exactly that way. The Blue Jays are over 500. The Red Sox have surprised pretty much any projection system. You know, even the most optimistic projections on the Red Sox forecasted about 85 to 86 wins. So they're playing way over their heads with regards to that. The Rays are built to sustain over the course of a 162-game season better than any other team. They have more depth than everybody, and 
we haven't even seen uh, Wander Franco come up yet. So they have the top prospect in baseball just sitting there in the wings waiting the minor leagues. Uh, you know, the Rays aren't going away anytime soon. Unfortunately, I missed out on that four to one value on them last week to win the AL East, but uh, I do think that they are by far the most likely team to win the division now. I mean, Fangraph has them at 36%. Uh, it's, it's tough to project their depth. Um, it, it really is tough to figure in the advantages that they gain from constantly having fresh arms and deploying guys in, in unique ways and constantly having the platoon advantage on offense. So I, I think the Yankees are in trouble just because they don't seem to have uh, as easy of a path as they've typically had to making the playoffs. They just have three other good teams around them in their division. And, you know, you look at the AL West, there's a good chance that you get a, a wild card team from the AL West between the Astros and the A's. So mm-hmm. only two spots up for grabs in the AL East, and, and the Yankees are competing with three other teams. Just the, the odds are almost against them making the playoffs uh, if they continue to struggle for whoa, another few weeks. Whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. You know, not quite Sean, there yet, but but we're yeah. approaching approaching territory where it's becoming a coin flip. Sean Zarillo of the Action Network is visiting with us on BetQL Daily, and Jacob Degrom is one of the most fascinating players in baseball. He has been for a while, and as a pitcher, he's got uh, some decent odds to win the MVP this year, and. He's pitching well. He doesn't get the run support. We know that. We know the Mets are notorious for for screwing the poor guy without uh, supporting him with runs. They did yesterday, though. Mets beat Arizona. His ERA is down to .71. He just looks <laughs> awesome this year. So I'm looking ahead to the, the futures, the uh, MVP futures in the National League. Acuna is right now at 3-1. to one. Fernando Tatis at uh, plus 450. And then... It's Arenado at nine to one, and here's Degrom at ten to one. Would, would I, I feel like it's going to go to a position player because it typically does? But is Degrom special enough this year that you might be getting value out of that ten to one? Yeah, I'm starting to think that way. Um, <laughs> you, you know, if you look at the position player race in the AL for MVP, it seems to be much more wide open than it is in the NL. You have so much narrative there with these young stars like Tatis and Acuna. If I could short Tatis, I would. Um, 20, I believe 20 of the past 22 MVP winners finished in the top three in their respective league and wins above replacement. War has become hugely important for evaluators in terms of determining who should win the MVP just because it incorporates defensive stats and things like that. And Tatis has been a below average defender at shortstop the entirety of the time he's been in the major league. Not that he doesn't have the tools to be an excellent defensive shortstop, but the things that make him great offensively, his his violence with his swing, his aggression, they've actually been detrimental to him defensively. He tries to do too much. He gets wild with his arm and throws the ball away constantly. So he's minus four in defensive run saves at shortstop so far this year. And, and whether you want to factor it in or not, voters certainly do. But Sean, he's got the home run chain thing. Like he's got that, that, that that's going to get him. It's important. Votes, isn't it? It's honestly uncanny how many times he's hit a home run in a big spot against me this year. Like I, <laughs> I'm, starting to, I'm starting to dislike the guy, even though I, I love him. Just yep. because he seems to, like, rip my soul out once a week. I, I was on the Astros <laughs> both games in that series where he hit homers, or all three games in that series, the first two weeks, just stuck a knife through my heart. So, yeah, it's it's uncanny his ability to come up in big spots 
and just hit a ball into the atmosphere and stare stare daggers through your soul as he does it. So, yeah, this kid is unbelievable. But I think what Acuna is doing on both sides of the ball does make him a position player favorite. Only two pitchers have won the MVP since the 90s when Eckersley won it. Uh, you, had, you had Kershaw in 2011 and then Verlander in 2014. But DeGrom is certainly making a special case. Uh, we're in an era where pitchers are throwing fastballs less often year over year. DeGrom is throwing his fastballs 15% more often than he was throwing it last year because he's throwing 101 miles an hour and nobody can touch it. He broke out a curveball last night for their first yeah. time in 600 pitches. Like, he's, he's just having fun. It, it's kind of hilarious. Like, he's toying with these hitters. He's also hitting 450 at the plate. Like, if he, if he keeps getting hits at RBIs throughout the season, it's just going to kind of boost his overall profile. But the one guy I took a shot on this weekend, Max Muncy, he is as high as 100 to 1 out there still, uh, as low as 50 to 1. I think 50 to 1 is fine. Second in the NL in wins above replacement. He's been the Dodgers' best player. There's, there's improvements across his profile. He's, he's swinging less than ever before. When he's swinging in the zone, he's making more contact than he ever has. Muncy's hitting his final form. He's also been the best defensive first baseman in the NL. He's also plus three defensive runs saved at second base. He's been incredibly valuable to that Dodgers team especially without Bellinger in the lineup most of the year. So surprisingly, I, I would have thought coming into the year, Muncy might have been behind Turner, Betts, Bellinger, maybe even, you know, Bueller or Kershaw in terms of MVP consideration. But he, he's really asserted himself as the most important player on that team to this point. And I think 100 to 1, 50 to 1, those are pretty insane odds for a guy who's second in the NL and one's above replacement right now. <laughs> Shaw, we got like a minute and a half left. Um Tell me why you just don't bet against Baltimore every day. I mean, it's pretty painfully obvious that picking the good teams is hard in baseball, but picking the bad teams, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, you just you bet against them every day, right? You just make money doing that? Yeah, they were the, the one team coming into the year that were kind of getting memed because uh, I think when Pocota put out their projections, they were the only team with a 0.0% chance of winning their division. And <laughs> very sad to see for Orioles fans, but – they, they actually started out decently. They were competitive earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, now that you bring it up, I'm surprised to see that their win percentage is 315. They, they must have absolutely tanked in May. I'm not sure what their record was. But, yeah, they have, they have no incentive to play for this year. Uh, a team like the Tigers, who is bad, but they have young guys on their team like Scooble and Mize. And they're going to bring more prospects up throughout the summer who are going to kind of boost their profile. And they want to be more competitive going forward. The Orioles are not incentivized whatsoever to be competitive this year. Uh, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that unless the Pirates fall off completely or the Rangers fall off completely, the Orioles are kind of on their way to locking up the number one pick in the draft, and they can take either Rocker or Al Leiter's son and, and get a future ace in their their staff. So uh, Adley Rutschman still toiling his way down in double A. Like, it, it's clear that the Orioles are already been pointing – you know, to next year even potentially, uh, they, they might still be two years away from trying to bring everybody up. So, Sean Zarillo, we appreciate your time. We're up against it here. We've got to uh, hit the break. We will be back. Lightning Bets coming up next on BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network.